0: Welcome, everyone, to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today.
1: Here we go. We are in a series called Start Living for a Change. Yeah, amen. It's been good um, because change is the key to living. And I'll just, I'll just recap a little bit, but we'll get to, where to what I want to get to today. Romans 12, 2 is that key verse. Um, there's something about hearing something over and over again. Uh, there, that's why God gave us the four Gospels, right? Because you're like, man, I read that story in Matthew and I read it in Luke. Yeah, because guess what? We apparently need to hear things, something over and over again until we get it into this noggin, into our heart. So just, just, it's all good, that's the way it is. But And do, as a matter of fact, let's read this together in the count of three. One, two, three. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is such a powerful verse that sometimes we skip over it. And people ask this question all the time, am I changing, how do I change? Well, right there is the, is the key change begins in the mind, in our thoughts. And eventually, when we partner with God, it gets down into here. And when it gets down into your heart, then everything changes. When, when those thoughts that you're hearing, you begin to believe them and they get down in your heart, man, that's when your life begins to take off. And that's the whole purpose of this moment. One purpose is to get the right thoughts, to hear the right things, And partner with God so we can experience more of his abundant life. So start living for a change. Ultimately, it's the way we think that shapes our lives. It's the attitude of the mind. It's the settled ways of thinking that creates the way we live and the way we love, which is more important. So it is the doorway of our future. Because when I finally believed in Jesus, it's then that my future began. Please, please hear this. I mean, before I knew God, I wasn't, I was going 120 miles an hour nowhere. (laughs) Let me button this, there's a point to me buttoning this, I'll get to that in a minute, but, I can't breathe for a moment, but that's all right. Um, I, I wasn't going anywhere, I was wandering. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, that's when my future, please hear that, my future began when I surrendered to him. Because I started thinking in a whole new way. And that thinking has gotten me to where I am today. I wish you knew me growing up. I wish, I wish you knew my story. You know, I always say this, hey, as one pastor said, don't judge the glory till you know my story. In other words, don't, don't judge the, what, what, what's happening in my life and the good things that are happening. How'd you get there? Well, I got there. There's a story behind it. There's always a story. So, but it, I got here because I gave my heart to Jesus. I heard the message, believed it in my heart that he is king, and that's when everything began in my life. And I'm discovering even today his good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's what that Bible says. That's what the word says. It is the doorway to the future. So I wanted to give you the ingredients to a healthy, positive, life-changing attitude. Amen? Amen. Because, as I've said before, we are the ones who make it. I make my own attitude. Nobody else makes it for me except me, which is really a blessing, right? The outs- if, if, if my attitude is determined by my out- outside circumstances, I'm doomed, right? But I have to actually make it. i got to put things in here that create the right attitude that pleases God. In other words, we are the head chefs in the making of our attitude. So let's go in again to God's kitchen and let's do some cooking. Let's get some stuff ready. Here's that verse, Ephesians 4, 22 through 23. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. By the way, this flesh, uh, Paul said there's nothing good in it. You know, it always wars against what God wants Do You know that? Like this flesh wants to do something. My spirit wants to do another thing. There's always a war. So get that. That's life. But he's saying there's a way to put that off and a way to not let it lead. He says, and this is how you do it, verse 23. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. One version says the spirit of your mind, like in the inside. So in other words, we choose the way we think. And last week we talked about that first main ingredient for a healthy, positive attitude. And it's the word grateful. Say grateful. I love that word. The essential ingredient, a powerful ingredient. I hope this week you put a few cups of grateful in. Did you? I, know, which is really cool. I noticed what was really cool is that, is that looking online, that, that people were, were being grateful Monday. I said, I said, it's great that you can hear the Sunday message of being grateful, but what's going to happen is on Monday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, how's that going to work out for you? And I've noticed that people that stayed grateful, that stayed grateful all the way to the end, I saw some pictures, they're like, they had a good week. You know that? I saw that. Irene, I saw that. I saw your gratefulness this this week. I saw that. And I saw at the very end, I saw her just, this is my happy place. Now, I believe with all my heart that when you continue and repeat something in your life that at the end of the week, I'm not saying there's not gonna be battles there, but at the end of the week, you're gonna experience the results of that. Please hear that. So grateful, you can continue to do that. And by the way, grateful is gonna change your life, but, but, but there's another essential ingredient. For this healthy attitude. You wanna hear it? Courageous. courageous. Say courageous. courageous. So, we're gonna talk about today. You already hear it in the message, in the worship today, Emily's word today. Um, this is absolutely essential in changing your life. In changing your life. Because here's, here's the phrase, you can write this down courage will tip the scales to your destiny. Courage will tip the scales to your destiny. The stories in the Bible are very clear about what I'm saying right here. The story of David and Goliath is a very clear example of that. David's destiny was changed with a single act of courage, with a single stone, with one throw. His life changed in a moment. Because one simple courageous act or thoughts, leading to one simple courageous act will change your destiny. So, when I was about 13, you know, I used to sing, like, by myself, in a room, nobody could hear me, because I was just so insecure and fearful, and I'd go downstairs and I'd sing speed Speedwagon, a lot of journey, sang a lot of journey. When I was 13, 14, I had, I had Steve Perry's voice and probably a, high, a little higher octave. Like I could hit every note Steve Perry could sing. And so I would just sing these journey songs and, and, and one day my friend who lived down the street heard me singing in my house. Well, I thought nobody was there. I just belted out. You know, belt out. Um, highway run. In the midnight sun, wheels go around. I can't even go on that. But look, it, it, was, it was Steve Perry in my home, and he heard it, and he was a drummer. And so he was a drummer, and we were just young kids, and he said, Man, we should put a band together. Let's do it. A two piece band, drummer, and, and a guy that could maybe sing. And so we went over to his house, we started practicing. Like, Man, the girls are gonna love us. It was all for the girls back then. And so we, we, uh, we, So he played his drums. He was a phenomenal drummer. We got this little microphone that hooked up to a cassette track or stereo. And and I started singing these journey songs and all just by ourselves. But my, my face, I was facing the wall. He wouldn't even see me sing. I was just so afraid. Finally, he tricked me. He said, Hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna, he goes, Today, guess what? My parents are gonna come down and listen to our band. I said, No! So what happened was I was forced in a moment to sing in front. But I didn't sing in front of them. I faced the wall. I can see the wall today. It was just a, just wood paneling. And I'm just singing, uh, you know, uh, these, I don't even want to sing all the journey songs, but I could. But, but um, not the ones that we can't sing in church, but maybe the ones that we can, um, you know. <laughs> wheel in the sky keeps on turning. And you got to understand, there's, there's a couple of octaves with Steve Perry. And back then I could hit it. And so I got them singing and and the parents were like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. I thought, I did it, I did it. Well, that turned into one day, not knowing that I was singing after a basketball game, home game, and I was singing in the shower yeah, some of us take showers after basketball games. But I was singing the shower. <laughs> I was singing the shower, and I was singing the song. I was singing, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Man, he was a good friend of mine. I was just singing that, not knowing that anybody was really hearing. But the coach was hearing me, apparently. I thought he was gone. And he goes, who's that girl singing? <laughs> so, no, had a high voice. And, and he said, um, he said, well, that's Klotz. So I come out. He goes, hey, man, I heard you singing. He goes. I got a. I got an offer for you. An opportunity. Say oppor- Say opportunity. opportunity. He goes. He goes. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll play. I'll. I'll. Uh, I'll do a free throw contest with you. If you can beat me in a free throw contest, I will make this next week of practice heaven for you. Like you, you'll be. You'll have the easiest practice just for you. I'll pull you off to the side. You'll shoot while they're running. I'm thinking. Oh man, that's great. But if I win, you got to sing the national anthem at the next basketball or the, the, in, in two weeks. I said. I can beat this old man. He's gotta be in his 30s, you know. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, 17. And uh, he knew it. I get up there, boom, six for 10. It's Pretty good. What does he go? He doesn't go, he doesn't go seven for 10, he goes 10 for, he, just, he drives and he went 10 for 10, I remember that day. He looks at me and I thought, oh my goodness, this is really gonna happen. I was shoved into this place, Fast forward a couple of weeks, here I am at, the, at a basketball game, 500 people singing the, the national anthem a cappella. If you ever done anything a cappella, it is the most terrifying thing you'll ever do in your life. This is the first time I have ever sung a song in front of more than probably two people ever in my life. But I had to do it. And I remember us saying that. I'm not going to sing the, the, my version, but... Uh, it's not tape. I wish I could get that tape. But I sang it. You could hear pin drop. And when it was done, this explosion of applause. People did not know that I, they like, oh my goodness, man, the dude can sing or whatever. And uh, this, it was, it was such an incredible feeling. But that moment was the day, that, that was the tipping point towards my destiny because that turned into singing in front of the school. That turned into singing at some weddings. That turned into going to New York and California to be a part of a a record company for a season. Like all of these things, all of these things, these little steps of courage became the tipping point to a destiny. I'll say it this way, feed your courage and your fears will starve to death. So back to our main characters for a moment. God commanded Joshua to be courageous three times in the first chapter. This was the essential ingredient for the making of his attitude. In order for him to possess the promised land and to live in it, courageous. Say courageous. See, God had to get courageous into his mind, so he says it to him over and over again. He repeats it. And by the way, you thought this message series was gonna end after four messages. <laughs> no. No, we're gonna keep going because we just gotta keep hearing something until we get to the point where we say, Oh my goodness, I heard it. Didn't hear it the first week, fourth week, but I heard it the fifth week. See, it's a powerful word called repetition. Repetition is a powerful method to change the way you think. As a matter of fact, there are two major ways that will radically change your mind and ultimately change your life. It's vision how you see god how you see yourself and it's repetition what you put in your mind and your heart on a regular basis doesn't make sense the very first psalm was hey i got i got a good i got a good plan for you david let's start this way meditate on the word day and night That sounds like repetition to me. That sounds like, hey, get up in the morning and tell me how great I am and and be reminded of how how awesome God is. And then when you go to bed, do the same thing. Repetition. What if you did something positive, powerful, and life-giving repeatedly in your mind, your soul, your inward part that would be ingrained forever and change you forever? Well, you would experience the positive, powerful results of it an abundant life, that's just a fact. See, you and I are created, we, are, we have created programs in our brain over time. Do you know that? Yeah. Literally programs in your brain through repetition. Usually from zero to seven is when a lot of those things take place. And what they do is they actually control 95% of our lives not even knowing it. They're just already ingrained in us. So as you know, I'm I'm a DQ fan, like ice cream. Well, I got a new spot called the Ultimate Ice Cream Shop. If you haven't been there, you're going to love it. But uh, in there, they have have an ice cream called the Candy Play-Doh. It's blue moon ice cream with little pieces of candy, of play- of, of um, um cookie dough. Sorry, cookie dough. It looks like it looks like play-doh. It's really great, it's awesome. Like whoever invented a genius. Anyways, no adult gets it, just one what just kids do. But I'm the I'm the lone adult who gets that that ice cream. And I usually do it probably once a week. Emily says this more, but I'm not sure if she's true on that. But I think it's usually once a week. I'll go there. By the way, never order the medium, just order the small. The medium is like this big. Um, but anyways. So I, I go there, you know, try to go there, we'll try to go there once a week. If, you know, if I want to be consistent with that. When I walk in with my mask, with my mask, I walk in, I go, I walk in one step through the door, and the young lady looks at me, and she goes, oh, you want the candy Play-Doh small today? I went, is that a compliment? I mean, you don't even, you can't even see my face, but you, you know exactly what I, you know exactly what I want? Hmm. And I was trying to think, is this good or bad? Um, so let me just unbutton this a minute. Oh, I, <laughs> that ice cream makes me a little thick around the middle, but that's just the way it is. Um, I thought, what in the world? I thought, hmm. Okay, she recognized my forehead, my, my receding hairline. She, but this is what she, she goes. She goes, I, this is what she She goes, I, the other day, we were getting low on that ice cream, and I thought about you. <laughs> She said, I thought about you. I thought, this is not going good. But let me say this. I'm gonna, Let me spin this in a good way. It's so sweet. Thank you again. Yeah. No pun intended. Do you know that people will recognize you by what you repeat? People will recognize you by what you repeat. Now, listen, I'm not here. I'm not condemning anybody. We, we, we all got our stuff. But, but what if, man, what if? God was your repeat. And not in a religious condemning way, but just what if your life just kind of, you know, you know why that's so important? Because one day someone sees you repeating something enough, they're gonna come to you and say, hey, I need some help. Yeah. They're gonna think about you. You know, I, I know people that when you get around them, they, 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 they can't help but, but encourage you and talk about God. And, and you think that that's some weird thing, but I'll tell you something right now. When times, when times get tough, because times will get tougher eventually down the road in different ways, but here's the truth. When that gets tough for that person, they're going to remember you, what you did repeatedly. You know, church is a fantastic place to do something repeatedly, because I'll tell you something, it's not only good for your soul, but it's something that people are going to see. They're gonna know where you're at. I think it's so interesting that, that when, when they tried to get Daniel, when they tried to get him, they knew exactly where he was at a certain times. He was praying on his knees three times, and they knew exactly where he was at. and They, they just knew it. Right. See, people will recognize us by what we repeat, right. repetition is powerful. It creates a program, a settled way of thinking, grooves in your brain. It creates literally stable neural pathways that will always produce something. And we want that something to be good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what we want. So know this your brain loves focus and your brain loves repetition. How did we learn in school? Remember that? Three by five cards. I'm not sure if they still do that today, but three-by-five cards, right? Here's this, switch it around, boom. You had to memorize it, right, until you got it right. True? Three-by-five cards, called repetition. How did you learn the ABCs? Well, thankfully, the ABCs were learned because there was an incredible melody behind it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You know it, right? What song is that? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what... They took that... By the way, that that melody was was composed by Mozart. Isn't that awesome? Mozart. In other words, someone took that melody and said, you know what, I bet you we could learn a lot of things with that melody. (laughs) Simple repetition... Something repeated over and over, not forever, please say this, not forever, just long enough to get that ingrained in our mind. It's like riding a bike, it's ingrained. It's like driving a car, it's ingrained. You don't remember how you got here. You just got in your car, turned it on, and I'll guarantee you did not think about how all the things you had to do to get here. Make my arm do this, go this, put on the blinker. You didn't think about it. It's already ingrained in your mind. Anything. So, God repeats to Joshua this phrase be strong and very courageous, right? Be strong and very courageous. Because, again, courage will tip the scales to your destiny. And I believe that Joshua repeated this phrase every time he had to go into battle. Remember, he didn't just face one king. He faced 31 kings and 31 kingdoms, and he defeated them all. Had trouble with just one, but he still defeated them. So I believe every time he faced battle, he repeated this phrase, to himself, that God told him three times, Joshua, be very courageous. Joshua, courageous. Joshua, courageous, strong courageous, right? And so every time he's like, okay, I remember what my dad said, I'm gonna go say that as well. And by thinking about this phrase and repeating it, Joshua was literally making a courageous attitude that allowed him to conquer the kings and possess the land. And by the way, you know who else did it too? Caleb remember his buddy Caleb? I said that I said Caleb really is kind of this picture of this he he he's the drive behind Joshua. It's like the Holy Spirit's the drive behind us. Caleb, look at what Caleb says towards the end of his life. Check this out. Joshua 14 Caleb says this, he's about ready to get his land. He says, now as you can see, Joshua, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made these promises. Let's tell you this out. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So when I'm 85, okay, but no, in just a minute. Versus, no, my thought, my 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 natural mind says when I'm 85, you know, get, put me down on the beach, lay down, rest. I'm done. Retire, right? That's what that's what the world tells us. Just retire, man. But but he's telling us, no, no. He goes, matter of fact, I don't want the beach. Give me the hill. I'm gonna show you young bucks. I'm gonna climb that hill at 85. And look what else he says. I love this about Caleb. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised. you remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living. These are, these are giants. They're in, in, in great walled towns. He says, but, uh, but if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb. He's like, oh my goodness, this dude's 85. And he wants to, in other words, this guy had fight in him at 85. Why? You know why? Courage. 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 Courageous attitude. You know, you can take the dog out of the fight, but you can't take the fight out of the dog. Right? That's courage. Courage is a boldness and confidence in the face of fear. And it also means, biblically translated, it means to be alert, active, and strong in the mind. Amen. And the challenge that we have is we don't maybe think critically about who God is and what he's done and all the things that, that he's done for me personally or us personally. And therefore, when our mind is dull, the enemy can come and attack us over and over and over again. But the thing is, it's because our, the attitude of the mind doesn't have the courageous ingredient or the grateful ingredient. See, that's why this week, by the way, you'll have some more homework. You had some homework last week being grateful. This week we'll have some more because it's only when you do something is when it'll sink in. Can you hear me say it enough? You can say it and that's good, but it's when you put it to action. The courageous ingredient is essential. First of all, let me say this you already have a spirit of courage in you. For 2 Timothy 1.7, we all know this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and a sound mind. Power. It's not just human strength. This is miraculous mountain moving power. It's the word dynamite. It's God given, and this power lives in you right now. So you can say this say, I'm courageous. courageous. That was a bit pathetic. Let's try it again. Say, I'm courageous. Come on, say it again. Say, I'm courageous. courageous. You're just speaking what's in you already. And boy, do we need to speak that phrase now more than ever to combat the spirit of fear that is trying to grip the world and the church. We need to add this ingredient daily because, again, it is essential. Your attitude will not taste right without it. So let me compel you to courageous because there's more you need to, to know about courage because we need courage to wait, some of you. Some of you need courage to go. Some of you need courage to battle, courage to believe, even courage to surrender to God. So let's remove the veil of fear and boldly possess our promised land. Dan, what do I need to know about courage? I'm glad you asked. The courageous are contagious. Say that. Say, the courageous are contagious. That's so important, my friends, because you know, you know what else is contagious? Fear. Negativity, we said last week, negativity is, is, is contagious, but cur- courage, courageous is contagious. And I, I've had to, and, and you too have stepped through small acts that have kind of tipped the, the scales of your destiny. I'm not going to go into the, the stories that I've had right now, but but I have, you have. Paul gives us an incredible glimpse of his courage in this verse and what courage does to people around him. Look at Philippians 1:14. And what I'm going through, he was going through a tough time. Remember, he's in prison right here. He's in he's in a he's in a dungeon. And 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 there's sewage going waist high through the dungeon. And it says and what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. I think this is the best translation. You know why? I'll say it this way. Your trial can break you or your trial can make you. And when you allow your trial to make you, you begin to make courageous people. All of us have faced fear and wanted to crumble. Matter of fact, I think the initial thought for people, you know, I'm giving up, I'm done. I can't handle anymore. I'm tired of dealing with this devil breathing down my back. That actually is not the proper phrase to say. We're to say, you know what? I may be going through a trial, but, but, but when God makes me in this, I'm actually gonna cause others to become courageous. Courageous is contagious and therefore the courageous will conquer as so we roll through these points. In Joshua's case, he had some work to do, some giants to defeat, some kings to fall. And all God needed was someone on earth to believe and to be courageous in order to conquer. And that hasn't changed in 2020, by the way. God is still looking today He's looking in this church today. In the same verse 2 Chronicles 16:9 says, "The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those or give them courage whose hearts are fully committed to him." He's looking for someone who will take a small courageous step and when he finds you, He'll remind you of this, Romans eight thirty seven. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All these things. Well, if you read that in its context, you're gonna find out, what is all these things, Dan? Well, all these things are trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitution, and danger. Those are the things that are, that are, that are talked about. That sounds really good, but, but, but here's, here's what I'm telling you. In all those tough times, you are not one who shrinks back. Right. And you're not one who just conquers. Right. You are actually more. Yes. Well, I'm scratching my head thinking, how can you be more than a conqueror? Like, God, what's up with that? How, how does this happen? Because, again, we tend to think differently when trial comes. We think, I'm done. God doesn't love me. I can't make it. No, no, he's saying, no, no. When you go through those times, see, it's easy to it's be more than a conqueror on a mountaintop, but it's when you go through those times that I'm going to show you that you are more than a conqueror. How does that happen? Well, it happens by changing your thought and believing it. And God says there are more. You just don't conquer the enemy. Listen, you take back what he stole from you, and he has to give back double for your trouble. Where's that at, Dan? Right here. Isaiah 61.7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. More than a conqueror. Let me encourage you some more. I've heard it said that I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. All things, in other words, whatever you're facing, whatever you go through, you can do all things through Christ. You can do it. Well, how do you do that? Let me give you a phrase. Decide that you want it more than you are afraid of it. Please hear that again. Decide that you, if you want to, if you want to get your land, if you want to, to, to do what God's called you to do, decide that you want it, right? More than you're afraid of it. How do you think I got Emily? Love? No, no, fight, man, I fought. Because we know what happened? (laughs) I didn't fight her. What happened was, what happened was is that, first of all, she shows up, and there she is, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I like her. But as the story went, um, as the story went, you know, I had a lot of battles to go through, especially an ex-boyfriend who showed up a couple days later, threw a note on her window and said, hey, we should probably meet up and get back together again. And I had a chance to say, you know, well, I guess I'm done. You know, he's, she's not going to like me. She's going to like him. He's taller. He's got more hair. No, he had less hair. But anyways, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I said, that's not going to happen. I don't want you meeting him at, at Arnie's. mm You're mine. God gave you to me, right? And she says, Thank God, you know. <laughs> I know. She shakes her head. I know Emily is sick of here. You, you got to decide that you want it more than you're afraid of it. Right. Whatever it is that God has you get. My pastor used to say, Do it afraid. Say, Do it afraid. I was living in New York. I was a single dude and all by myself working with some musicians in the studio. And one time I had to walk clear across town, never been in this part of the city before. And I, I didn't look like a New Yorker. I had my Tommy Hilfiger jacket on, you know. I didn't look like I was from the hood, like I was from, from the burbs, you know, from Cascade, Michigan. Um, and so I'm walking through New York. And uh, not thinking about it, and I find myself in a very, very uh, troubling, seemed very troubling uh, part of town. <laughs> and I saw this guy, and he's walking down the street, and he's he's carrying what I didn't now to be light bulbs. He had a big, huge thing of light bulbs, and he would he was taking it, and he was just taking them, and smashing them up against the walls of the building. And I'm I'm walking right in his path. He's smashing them. I thought, oh my goodness. I'm a goner. I'm walking right into his path. He's angry, for sure. I'm walking right towards him. And I thought, if I, if I make a beeline across the street, he's going to come after me because he, people smell fear. And so I'm like, I'm, this is what I did. I'm telling you, this is what I did. This is what I did. In, in a moment, I said, I'm going to be crazier than him. And I started, I started walking with kind of shaking. I was shaking around. I was just shaking. I was shaking. Like I was a lunatic. Seriously, I I was a lunatic. This is a true story. I was shaking like a lunatic and walking through like this. You know what? You know what he did? He stopped. That crazy guy stopped because I was crazier. He stopped throwing his bulbs. He looked at me. He went, oh my goodness, that dude's crazy. I walked right by unharmed. (laughs) Do you know David did that in the Bible? Do you know David did that? He pretended to be crazy in order to save his life. (laughs) In no, sometimes you got to do something a little unconventional, untraditional in order, to, in order to, uh, to get to where God wants you to go. But, but it, was a, it was a moment of crazy courage. True story. Joshua did it afraid. Not only conquered his fear, but he conquered the enemy. And by the way, Joshua went where no one had gone before. Think about this. He conquered the very land that our Messiah was born out of Bethlehem. How cool is that? Thousands a year before, God said, "Hey, I got. We got to get this done, man, because my 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 son's coming, and that's where he's going to live." But I, Joshua, I need you to get in there. We need to get this done. He didn't know, it, but maybe the land you're about to conquer has the next Billy Graham, right Bunkie, Joyce Meyer, fill in the blank, whoever's your hero, that unknown soul who'll be the vessel to deliver a generation of people, I believe it with all my heart, the land that you conquer, because the courageous will conquer. And as we finish up as quickly as I can, the courageous will claim the land. This is so important, my friends. Remember, land equals people impacted for Jesus. You're not claiming an island to live on by yourself. You are setting your foot on a piece of property that has a soul waiting to be saved. Whenever you think of land, think of someone's life being changed for Jesus. That's why God wants you to take land. Please hear me. So go get your land. God made a bold promise to the people of Israel. He said this, Joshua 1, 3, I promise you what I promised Moses, what I promised Abraham, And I tell you today in 2020, God has the same promise for you because we're grafted in. We are now partakers of the same inheritance as Israel. We, Gentiles, are grafted and have the exact same covenant promises. So he says to you today, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. See, we all have a piece of land that God has gifted us with. Maybe it's your marriage, kids, family, workplace. God has given you the rights and the authority of that land. And I'm not talking about stomping on people. I'm talking about stomping and stopping the enemy. And I love, you're going to love this translation. Romans 16, 20. Check this out. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. Under you, no, he didn't say God's feet, he said, under your feet, right? Now, look at this, and the wonderful favor of our Lord Jesus will surround you. Amen. How awesome is that? He's given you an authority, a dominion in the land He's placing you in. I believe that God wants you to know that He's making the same promise for you today. He wants to give you the place where you set your feet. Start with family. Claim it. The devil doesn't have right to claim that land. It's your inheritance. It's your land. That's your family. Those are your kids. Don't mess with a praying parent. The enemy is no match for the praying parent. Right. Do you know how many families can be restored when a husband and wife just grab hands and pray? But, it, you're, but it's the enemy who tries to keep you apart. You ever notice that? I'm not praying with that because we're mad at each other. I'm telling you, that is the tool of the enemy. Grab a hand, forgive really quick, start praying for your family and get your kids back. Yeah. Get your family back. Yeah. Yeehaw. <laughs> See, God wants to give you ownership of every area of your life. He wants to give you authority and power in every area of your life. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, marriage, relationships, finances. Well, I just don't have authority in that area, Dan. It has authority over me. Well, guess what? It shouldn't. And it's a lie. Because here's the truth in Luke 10, 18 through 20. I love this. Jesus said this. So what's happened is, is that they were all ministering and they are worshiping God. And Again, I'm, I'm reading a Passion Translation, which I just love dearly. It's really good. He said, Well, he said, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing, nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in his authority. Did you just hear that? Yes, amen. Do you believe it? Yes, I do. That he's given you the keys to the kingdom, that he's given you, he's imparted and passed on the same authority. Yes. And he's showing you a picture of, I saw, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That must have hurt. Very humbling. But that's his position. He was stripped of his powers, the Bible says. He was made a spectacle publicly. The problem is we don't believe he was made a public public spectacle. That's what's happened. So see the authority God's given you and I But I love this part. This is a better part. Verse 20. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority. Because he doesn't want you to get a big head going around stomping devil and taking care of demons and getting your family back. He doesn't want you to get a big head because he's saying, no, no, don't. He says, uh, says, um, uh, you know, it's not merely spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven or the, the, the Bible in heaven, and you, and you belong to God's kingdom. This is the source of your authority. Don't forget that. For those of you struggling with sin, struggling with obedience, struggling with burnout, struggling with living in, in an emotional vacuum, I want you to know that God will give you dominion in this area. You can experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentle self-control. These are the inheritance that's waiting for you to take them. God doesn't want you to live defeated in your life. He doesn't want you struggling in your environment where you're always on the verge of failure. You can't perform effectively if you never see results. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive. I know some people, man, yeah, my, I, my parents said I was a mistake. You know, I wasn't supposed to be here. Malarkey. Before you were formed in that womb, God knew you. You didn't surprise God. See, it doesn't matter how you arrive. It matters how you thrive. It doesn't matter how you came down here. It doesn't matter how you arrive. What matters is where you're going. We all came here in different circumstances, right? But God knew it. And God raised you up to be courageous so that you could tip the scales of your destiny. God does not want you defeated at home. He doesn't want your family life to be filled with stress and tension and resentment. He wants husbands and wives to enjoy each other. Let me say that again. He wants husbands and wives to enjoy each other. Let me say it again. He wants husbands and wives, let me say it one more time, he wants husbands and wives to enjoy each other. He wants children and parents to laugh together. He wants to give you ownership to give you dominion in this area. It's the same with your finances. You don't have to be rich to live in financial abundance. You do need money, but there's no question about it, but but you just need the ability to experience and enjoy what you have. But God wants to give you peace in your financial life, so he gives you ownership over it. And by the way, you wanna fix that really quick? Tithe. I got no shame and I know in the pastor, I would say that if I wasn't a pastor, I'd say tithe. Just tithe, man. Honor God with your tithe. Try it. You can say, test me. I guarantee you positively, 100%, when you begin to give your finances to God and let him take it, God will do incredible things for your life. It's time to stake your claim. Look at every place your foot right now is walking home, work, church, ministry, little league, the golf course, your neighborhood, your social life, your health, finances, extended family, on and on, and decide today to believe that God wants to give you dominion in those areas. Just as he promised Joshua, stake your claim. Stake it. The courageous will claim the land. Finally, we're done. This is the best part. The courageous will cling to God. It's amazing to me. I'm talking about these incredible leaders, Joshua, Caleb, Moses. You know, I've heard it said if Moses, if my, Moses or Joshua were alive today, do you know what their net worth would be? Billions. Billions. I mean, they, they put gates to shame. I've heard some even say Solomon was trillions. But these men money didn't matter to them you don't know matter to them that they would stay close to god they would. so i would say the courageous is not for those who are weak or 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 uh, you know it's not for it, it, we're talking about we're talking about men who and women who have like accomplished so much but yet they learned one thing that the courageous cling to god what was joshua's source of courage god caleb's god david's god jesus god They all had deep confidence in God. They all believed that God would never break his promise. They all saw God as bigger and stronger than all of their enemies. Can I get an amen? Thank you. They believed that God would work out all things for our good and his glory. They really believe it. Do you believe that God worked work out all things for your good? Come on. And his glory? He said it. He, he, he does it all the time. I gotta read this verse, Isaiah 54, 11, if we finish. O storm-battered city, trouble and desolate, I will rebuild you With precious jewels and make your foundations from whatever that is, lapis lazulu. It's like a fettuccine dish. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies. Come on, hear that. Your gates of shining gems and your walls of precious stones. I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great peace. Hallelujah. You'll be secure under a government that is just and fair. That's God's government. Your enemies will stay far away. Woo! You will live in peace. And terror will not come near. Matter of fact, if any nation comes to fight you, it, will, it is not because I sent them. Whoever attacks you will go down. Come on. Oh, how I wish we would not let the storms of life, the short seasons we go through, the assaults of the enemy, the valleys of pain, change the very promises of God for our life. Oh, how we would grab a hold of one promise and say, man, you said it, God, I'm gonna believe it. See, the courage, understand that God is their source. And by the way, God loves clingy people. (laughs) He loves clingy people. We don't always, you know. Come on, man. But God loves clingy people. What is your source of courage? Who is your source of courage? Do what Lady Bird Johnson said. Become so wrapped up in something that you forget to be afraid. We would say, become so wrapped up in someone that you forget to be afraid. Amen? The courageous cling to God Hey, let's get back to courageous. Let's become contagious. Let's conquer the land. Let's claim the land, and let's cling to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, God, for another ingredient into the healthy, life-giving attitude. God, thank you for all that you do, God. We lift up your name. Jesus, if you didn't blaze that trail for us, we could never do anything that you've called us to do. So we honor you. We give you the the praise that you deserve, all for for your name. Um, and Lord, I just pray that today, if there's anyone who just needed to hear this message for, to take one simple step of courage, God, that they would do it. And they would also see the benefits from it, God. We thank you for it. Bless your people. Let this week be a week of not just taking steps of courage, but seeing the results of those steps, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, a couple things, you guys. Um, first of all, before Emily prays, here's your homework, because if you hear this message and don't do anything with it, it becomes useless. So as, as grateful was your, was your uh, homework last week, to be grateful throughout the week, this week I'm going to ask you, what is one small, courageous thought and action you can take? Um, you know, m- maybe it's uh, to share your testimony for the first time. Uh, which is powerful. How about how about giving anonymously or how about forgiving generously? I think this is a big one. If you can think of someone in your life that you got a beef with, you got oh, please don't send me a bunch of emails. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. If, if you gotta bury the hatchet with someone, listen, I encourage you to text them. First pray for them, think about them, and send them a message of love. Don't expect it to go any other way except your obedience to forgive them courageously. And I promise you, God will bless mm-hmm. you. So that's your homework. What courageous step will you take this week? Amen. Emily, what you got?
0: Um, I don't have any prayer requests this um, but time. We, the, but
1: the, for, for the first, same with the first one, the pray yep, for...
0: pray for the workers who are cleaning up after the tornadoes yes. and the families that were affected by that. But I did feel um, the Lord gave me this word during the service, and I just want to speak over you again a little bit more of who God is because uh, there are some people here who need to know him in this way. I love you, Lord. This is Psalm 18, the beginning of it. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Here's what God said Some of you need to know that God is your listener. He's a listener. You like say? you've been crying out, you've been <laughs> crying out to God, and you don't know. Like, are you even listening? Do you yeah. even hear me? Well, he told me to tell you yes I hear every cry I hear every prayer that you pray and not only does he hear you and he's listening to you he cares about what you're saying he cares about how you feel he sees you he notices you he pays attention to you do you feel like nobody's paying attention to you in your life but he pays attention to you and he understands you If no one else understands you, he understands you. But he doesn't stop there at listening and understanding you. He also saves you out of your distress. He saves you out of it so that you can show the world, my God's a listener and a savior. That he wants you to know this about him, that he, not just about him, but know him as your listener and your savior. So, Lord, we just thank you that you hear us, Lord, every time that we cry out to you. It doesn't matter what kind of words we use. It doesn't matter if we don't have any words to use, Lord, that we can't even express our hearts in words, Lord, but you hear and understand us. Even without words, you understand our hearts, Lord, when our heart is crying out to you. And, Lord, you do save us out of our distress and out of our despair, Lord, so that we can show the world that you're a hope giver, that you are a Savior, that you care, Lord. You care and you understand. So we thank you, Father, that's who you are. And we lift up the workers who are cleaning up after the tornadoes, and we lift up the families that were affected by that. And we speak your name over them as provider and protector, Lord. The one who restores things that are broken and missing, Lord. You're the restorer. God, there's nothing too hard for you. We speak comfort, Lord, over those who've experienced loss. You're the comforter. We speak wisdom, Lord, for those who need wisdom and counsel. You're the counselor. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you care, Lord. We thank you that you give us hope. You give us a good future, Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. We love you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the week. And be courageous. Amen.
0: We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E.org. And like us on Facebook. Resurrection Life Church Cadillac for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.